Welcome to the Standing Up to Pots podcast, otherwise known as the Potscast. This podcast is dedicated to educating and empowering the community about postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, commonly referred to as POTS. This invisible illness impacts millions and we are committed to explaining the basics, raising awareness, exploring the research, and empowering patients to not only survive, but thrive. This is the Standing Up to POTS podcast. Hello, fellow POTS patients and magnificent people who care about POTS patients. I'm Jill Brooke, your horizontal host, and today we have an episode of the POTS Diaries. Today we are speaking with Belle. Thank you so much for being here today, Belle. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. (laughs) We're excited to have you. Okay, so tell us some basics for starters. Where are you? Well, right now I'm in a little city called Camrose in Alberta. It's a farming town. Canada, right? Yes, Canada. Okay, excellent. And how old are you? I'm 20 years old. And you have neat things behind you, like art and Christmas lights. Is there any story there? I'm an environmental science student, so I have a lot of nature posters and scientific posters on my wall, and I really love cute and cozy things, so you can see that I'm a little bit of a nerd. (laughs) Okay, what else should we know about you? What else do you enjoy? Well, besides being a nerd, I (laughs) love nature, love animals. I absolutely love to read. And one thing I've been getting into lately is advocacy. That's exciting. (laughs) That's what kind of brought me here. Yeah. Okay. And if we were to force you to brag about yourself, what are some things that you're good at? They can be big things or little things. Doesn't matter. Well, I do think that I'm pretty decent at art. I make jewelry and I sell that as kind of a side hustle. If I had to brag about myself, I'd say that I am pretty compassionate. I like to try my best and I volunteer in an animal shelter sometimes and I like making things. (laughs) Very cool. Okay. And if we asked your friends what other personality traits you have, what would they say? I think every single one of them would probably say that I'm goofy. (laughs) I like to make jokes and I think I try my best to be a kind person. Try to be a kind human in this troubling world sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's so wonderful. (laughs) Okay. So have you had pots your whole life or did you have a life before pots? I did have a life before pots. Now that I think about it, I definitely had some signs and symptoms that there was something going on that I wasn't too sure of. But when I was 16 is when my life with POTS started. Okay. Can you give us a snapshot of what you were up to in that year leading up to that time? Yes. So I was in grade 10. I just started high school and I was so excited to go on my very first international trip to Greece. It was for school and we were going to go for 11 days and it was my first time ever leaving North America. And while I was in Greece, that's when my symptoms started severely. And that's kind of when I figured out that something was not normal. Ah, okay. So that sounds very far from home. Mm -hmm. It sounds exotic. I am just having these visions of like you face down in a bowl of hummus. But what did it look like? What was your first sign that something was off? 
Not far off of that, actually. <laughs> the first time was after I was on a ferry boat. And this was an eight-hour ferry boat to get to Santorini, the island. And I was on it and I had hit my head from an incident on the boat and things just started to spiral. The first time I like fainted, fainted was I was in a little coffee shop and everyone's getting hot chocolate and like frozen drinks and I'm just on the floor <laughs> in a foreign country. <laughs> oh. So you were close with the food thing. There was uh, frozen hot chocolate all over the floor. My teacher was super confused, not sure what was happening. So how long did it take you to figure out that you had POTS? It took me about a year and a half to two years. What was so, that like? Difficult. I was in Greece and we knew something was wrong. And of course, I'd never had anything that severe before. I was fainting all throughout the trip and stuff was going wrong. I get to Canada. My parents ship me off to the hospital. We're trying to figure it out. And then it just gets delayed and delayed and they're not sure what's happening. And then two years later, I finally get the little result test that I have POTS and that I have something. Wow. <laughs> so it took a long time and it was a lot of my parents advocating for me and a lot of me doing my own research. So can I back up and ask how much time you spent in Greece with POTS but not knowing what it was and what was that like? Yeah. So the trip was 11 days and the kind of the first part of it went well. I wasn't feeling too great because, you know, traveling on a plane isn't everyone's cup of tea and foreign country, foreign food, foreign experience. And so I thought it was just that. I've always been a little bit susceptible to not feeling good when there's changes, which I figured out why that is now. <laughs> but then the latter half of the trip was... A lot of it unconscious. <laughs> a lot of it was me loving Greece, but also me not remembering a lot of it. I had a teacher glued to my side and we were finishing the trip and I made it through it and had wonderful experiences. It was a lovely time, but I definitely gave my teachers a run for their money. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... You got back to Canada. It still took a year and a half, did you say, to get a diagnosis? Yes. Yeah. And how much did it help to get a diagnosis? Were you able to improve a lot thanks to that? The like sigh of relief I just took thinking about the diagnosis says a lot. I remember not knowing what was going on. I was really fearful, wasn't sure what was happening, I had like a lot of loops through the doctors. And then I got my little paper, we got the call, we had the little diagnosis sheet, and I, it was scary to know that I had a chronic illness, but I felt so much relief knowing that I had something, <laughs> that I could have something tangible, that I could finally tell doctors and we could finally get back to at least trying to have some sort of normalcy, even though I know that that normalcy was never going to be the same that I used to have. Um, but yeah, it was the relief in my system, in my mom's system, in my dad's system was huge. Was part of that relief because during that whole year and a half, you had worried you were just imagining it or you were worried you had something worse or what, what was that relief specifically? I was worried that I was imagining it. I saw quite a few professionals who didn't quite believe a teen girl had a major health issue who looked healthy from the outside. There was a lot of 
the big words of anxiety, even hypochondria were thrown about. Lots of those kind of big, scary words, which is scary for a teen girl to go through when you're going through something and you're not sure what's happening. And then in your brain, you think you're not being believed and you're feeling a lot of turmoil and hormones. <laughs> I mean, I was a teenager, <laughs> so that's an extra layer. But when you finally get one professional listening to you and telling you, hey, we believe you. And we finally found out what was happening. Just that's what all that relief was from. Fear that I had a chronic illness, but thankful that there was a name to it. And it wasn't this big, scary, unknown thing. Yeah. It's funny. Have you ever either read the book or seen the movie of Lemony Snicket's A Series of Inf Unfortunate Events? I have. Yes. So I know that everybody loves that story, but I have to say that I watched that movie with my husband a couple of years ago and I could not stand it because the kids kept not being believed by the adults. And it was at that moment that I realized that I had such pain around that concept that I couldn't bear to watch it and I had to turn it off. And anyway, I thought about that as you were talking, that that you kind of had relief, like that was over. And finally, you had something that you could name so people would have to believe you. Yeah, that, that's like a, an amazing point. That's exactly how it feels of you're like told when you're younger, if there's something wrong, you go to the hospital. If you're ever in danger, you go to a medical professional and they'll help you. And then you do that and they don't and they don't believe you. That that's exactly like the movie. Like you just said it perfectly. <laughs> I'm like, how can anybody enjoy this movie? Aren't they just so bothered by that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So did you find treatments that made a big difference? Like what helps you now? I did. I found treatments. It took a long time. I was wheelchair bound for a good part of it, trying to figure out what was happening. Unfortunately, when I got my diagnosis, I thought, well, it's going to flip around. Everything's going to be great. Life's going to go back to normal. Obviously, that didn't happen. I mean, a lot of people probably with POTS can relate to that. It's a lot of trial and error. I mean, POTS is so complicated and causes so much grief that it takes a lot to get back to anything that was kind of normal. And I still haven't gotten back to normal before my diagnosis. Now it's just me and I'm good with that. We did medications and physio and things weren't really sticking until for me personally, we started doing saline infusions. Mm -hmm. And then we coupled that with therapies like physiotherapies and then fluticortisone medication that was really helpful for me mixed in with some other medications. And that's when I finally got to see some progress. <laughs> Ah, okay. And you had mentioned that you're not all the way back to normal, but you're fine with that. Can you talk about that process? How did you get fine with that? Were you always? Did you have to work at it? I had to work on it. I was in high school when I first had my health issues, and I was so focused on getting back to what I used to have. I was so sporty. I was so involved in hiking and doing a million things, clubs, all that. And when I was sick and in my wheelchair and going from appointment to appointment, all I could think about was I need to get back to that. And then when I got my diagnosis and we started to put the pieces together and I started feeling a little better, me and my mom actually had a talk and she was like, pick a goal. And my goal was I wanted to walk across the stage for graduation. That was my goal. 
And so me and my physiotherapist worked really hard. We did step by step. It started with five steps, six steps, 12 steps of trying to get across a stage of trying not to faint, not to feel bad. And I focused on that goal so hard that I realized that I'm okay with this. I'm okay with not having what I used to have. Because if I keep chasing that, if I keep chasing when I used to have, I'll never be happy. Like, I just don't think it would work out. So I started picking little goals in my life, like walking across the stage, doing more crafting, going for small walks outside, going for walks with my mom. And slowly that started to build kind of like into my life, if that makes sense. And that's when I started to appreciate that this is my life now and I can either be really upset and sad about it. Or I can take it slow and figure out how things will go in the future day by day, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And it sounds like that's worked out well for you? Pretty much. I mean, of course, there's bad days. Of course, there's problems. I mean, I am going to university with some chronic illnesses, so that's going to be tricky. But I'm going to university, so that's what I focus <laughs> on. I mean, I couldn't even imagine that like three or four years ago. Excellent. So. I just have to ask, were you able to walk across the stage for your high school graduation? Sadly, COVID happened and we didn't get a graduation, oh. but my school did do a like a photo shoot outside and I got to walk up and grab my diploma. Okay. So I got some of that and I yeah. still got to wear my pretty dress and my pretty hair. And my parents <laughs> took tons of pictures and it was it wasn't as it wasn't what I expected, but I think that kind of sums up my entire life right now. So I think it was pretty perfect for me. Mm -hmm. That is a great point. Nothing <laughs> bad about learning to be adaptable, I suppose, because life will just keep on throwing you surprises. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what's university like? It's scary. <laughs> And really exciting. I'm so fortunate for my university. I have accommodations that allow me to do school. So it's just such a great experience where I get to do something that I've dreamed of since I was a little kid. And it's hard. I'm not going to lie. It's really challenging. There's been a few days where I've been a little down in the dumps thinking about, is this really what is good for me? But I'm still here and I'm still doing it and I enjoy it pretty much. So what kinds of accommodations help you? My big one is I get to be a full-time student even if I don't have full classes. So that just means that to be a full student, usually you need to have like four to five classes. And because of my illness, sometimes that's really hard to balance so many classes. So if I take less classes, I still count as a full-time student so I can still get grants. I can still go through school. So that's the big one for me. I also get time and a half for my exams. I'm sure a lot of POTS patients know that brain fog is not fun. And when you're trying to do to university, it's like even harder. <laughs> so I get time and a half. So I get to take my time. I get to do it in a separate area. So if I don't feel good, I need to get on the floor quickly. <laughs> I need to do anything like that. I have my private area where I don't feel judged. I don't feel like scared or worried. It feels like a safe place. And that's, I think, a big part of it too. Because I mean, to succeed in school, you got to feel safe. So for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's great that you're making it work. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you know now about living with POTS that you wish you had known sooner? 
That's a good one. I think if I could go back to little Belle, who's in high school, not knowing what to do, I think I would really wish that like I knew that, yes, it's not like you're not going to get cured. It's not going to be a magic cure. But you can, you're going to have tools and you're going to have help and you're going to get these like tools and you need to use them. Because there was a time in my life where I was kind of almost embarrassed that I needed all this extra help. And I think if I just would have taken a deep breath and used the tools that I was given and really like focus on all the help that I needed, I think that would have given a big relief. So I think that, if that makes sense. Yeah, just kind of get over yourself and do what you need to do. Yeah. No, it's okay <laughs> if you have to lay on the floor in a public area. You got to do what you got to do. Feet up, back down, you know? Yeah. <laughs> have there been any silver linings to having POTS at all? I've met an amazing community. I mean, I found this podcast. I follow all these amazing accounts on Instagram. I even made some really good pen pals and close friends. I have some internet friends that I met through chronic illness who have chronic illnesses, have POTS, have different illnesses that know what it's like, which is probably a big thing for me. I have a lovely family and I have like an amazing roommate who really like helps me and all and I have amazing friends. But to have someone who's been through it, who's been through the medical system is just such a relief. And it just made a stronger community. And it's it's made me really realize that to get through some of this, you kind of need people and you need a community. Yeah, yeah. Are you up for doing a speed round? Sure. <laughs> okay. First thing that comes to your mind, and no judgment, what is your favorite way to get salt? Pretzels. What is the drink you find the most hydrating? Noon electrolyte tablets. What's your favorite time of day and why? Oh, ah, that's a hard one. Nighttime, because I can get cozy and I can lay down. Where is your favorite place to spend time and why? Probably at the library because so many books. <laughs> Excellent. How many doctors have you seen for POTS? Ooh, I don't think I have enough fingers on either of my hands or enough toes to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> How many other POTS patients have you ever met face-to-face -face in person? Oh, not a lot. I think a couple and I didn't even know them personally they just asked me what was going on and I found out they also had pots uh -huh. what is one word that describes what it's like living with pots tough what is some good advice that you've ever heard that you like lean on others what is something small or inexpensive that brings you comfort or joy Pillows. So many fluffy pillows. Any particular favorite kind? Uh, well, I have one. You guys can't see it, but it's this fluffy round pillow that's just big and fluffy. And anytime you're sad or you don't feel good, you can just put it right on your face and pretend that you are out of this world a little bit. And you can just squeeze it. And it's just fantastic. Very nice. Who is somebody that you admire? My mom. Why? Because she had to advocate for me to some really like impressive doctors that have scary amounts of paychecks and like schooling and 
she had to walk right up to them and tell them that something was wrong with me and that they needed to figure their stuff out. And I, I couldn't imagine doing it. She's one tough lady. Ah, yay, mom. <laughs> what is something that you're proud of? Me? I'm just, I'm so proud that I'm here today, that I get an opportunity to be on a podcast, that I get to go to school, that I even got up in the morning. I mean, not to like stroke my own ego, but go me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right on. What is the toughest thing about POTS? Who? I could throw a whole thesaurus at that. <laughs> There's so many tough things with POTS, but I think the biggest one for me is loneliness. It can be really isolating and really scary. And even if you don't know anyone else with chronic illness or you're not being believed, you, you feel like it's just you against the world. And that's really scary. Yeah, yeah, that's a good answer. What's an activity you can enjoy even when you're feeling really potsy? I was going to say reading, but sometimes reading can be tough too. I do find just throwing on like some cute dog videos or some cute animal videos on the TV and laying down. That's a good activity. Nice. What is the thing that you look forward to the most every week? This one's probably cheesy, but my dogs. I have a couple of floofs at home, and they bring me so much joy. What helps you fall asleep, if anything? I like to listen to rain sounds. You, like, put it on your phone and weighted blankets. What helps give you energy when you need it? I do find having some salty snacks and a good electrolyte drink can give a little bit of pep in my step. That's usually helpful for me. What is a gift that you would have sent to every POTS patient on earth if you had an infinite budget? Oh, wow. I feel like I would send them, first of all, all the compression socks because they are too dang expensive. And second of all, all the salty snacks because you can never have enough. Yeah. I've always thought that there should be some sort of a compression stocking exchange because I don't know about you, but I had to try a lot before I found ones that actually fit me properly. And that was expensive too. And I figure there's a lot of other people out there who have lots of expensive compression stocks that didn't quite fit right sitting in their closets. Yes, I agree. Like a secret Santa, but just for POTS patients and just for compression socks. Right, right. <laughs> we just keep trading till everyone finds the one that works Yeah, until for them. you get the perfect fit. What is something that you're grateful for? Ooh, my family and also the community of people who also have POTS. It's always so nice and so like... I remember just going on some forums and being like, hey, I'm not feeling great and I don't know what to do. And people just like throw love at you. And it's just such a supportive community. You know, what's funny is I went to a little cocktail party the other night and it was my first one since COVID. And so it's been like three years. And so I've been used to interacting with all of the communities and online and being with the other patients and stuff. And I guess I kind of got used to that because I went to this actual in-person cocktail party and my feeling was people are not as friendly as I remembered. And then I was like, oh, wait a second. We're outside the patient community. I feel like in the patient community, everybody's so kind to everyone else. And it's a little bit of a shame that it's not like that in the real world too. <laughs> yes, I agree. Like 100%. Everyone's always so kind here. 
Yeah. Okay. Can you finish these sentences? I love it when dot, dot, dot. I love it when it's been a really long day and you just peel off those compression stockings and you just crawl in bed. I hate it when dot, dot, dot. Ooh. I hate it when you're trying to have a conversation with people and you start to not feel good and you get POTSY symptoms and you have to excuse yourself halfway through many awkward conversations. Yeah. Okay. People might suspect I'm a POTSY when dot, dot, dot. I'm in the middle of a mall and I'm on the floor and my feet are against a wall. All right. So this next question you might have just answered, but have you ever had to sit or lay down in a weird place because of POTS? And if so, where's the weirdest place? Ooh. Huh. So the answer is yes. Many, many places. It's another thing I had to get through is not be embarrassed. I think the weirdest place, either when it was my first symptoms was in, I had to sit down in the middle of a boarding terminal while boarding a plane. That was a little awkward. And also at a concert, I've had to kind of remove myself and sit on the floor with my feet up. That, that's a, that was also a little awkward. So it sounds to me like you are well acquainted with sticky floors. Oh, yes. Concerts, airports. <laughs> Always bring a backup jacket. Always bring a backup <laughs> coat and just lay it on the ground. <laughs> right on. Okay, I just have a couple more questions. What do you wish more people knew about POTS? I wish more people knew that it's so complex and that just because I look like I'm doing okay and I'm having a good day, I'm probably not. I'm probably fighting through some stuff and just be gentle. Like, man, I just wish that people were more kind to each other, especially when you have a chronic illness. It can be really tough. Yeah. Okay. And last question. Is there anything you'd like to say to your fellow POTS patients out there who are listening? I believe you. I believe all your wild and wacky symptoms. I believe you when you say that you have a weird, quirky symptom that doesn't match up. I don't think it's in your head. I think that you are 100% going through something and your feelings are 100% valid. And I wish I could just give everyone a hug because that's what I needed. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> well, Belle, thank you so much for sharing your story and your insights and your goofiness with us. We really appreciate it. And I know everybody listening wishes you only the best going forward. Thank you for having me. This was a really great opportunity. And I just want to say you're also oh really kind and wonderful. And I believe you too. You're just... Ah, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Oh, that's why I love this community. Right on. Hey, listeners, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. We'll be back again next week. Until then, thank you for listening. Remember, you're not alone. And please join us again soon. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Consult your healthcare team about what's right for you. This show is a production of Standing Up to Pots, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can send us feedback or make a tax-deductible donation at www.standinguptopots.org. You can also engage with us on social media at the handle Standing Up to Pots. If you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing to our podcast and sharing it with your friends and family. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts or at www.thepotscast.com. Thanks for listening.